we are introducing our theme for this month, which is building and living a life of no excuses. I tell you, it's going to be interesting as we deal with this topic. I'm just doing the introduction. I'm going to be very brief this morning. And we're going to base our discussion this month in the book of Jeremiah, particularly Jeremiah chapter 1. We'll read from verse 4 to verse 10 in the New American Standard Bible. It reads as follows. That's Jeremiah chapter 1, 4 to 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born and consecrated you, I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. I think the book of Jeremiah is such an important book with regards to our topic on building and living a life of no excuses. Jeremiah was called by God in his days of being a young person. And when you read his prophecies, these prophecies come from a man who was called by God in his youth. When you read the book of Jeremiah, you know that Jeremiah was really a heartbroken prophet with a heartbreaking message to his generation because he was called into ministry at a time when things were not going well in the nation of Israel. He came into ministry during the time of King Josiah, who was a godly king, but he was among the last godly kings of Judah. And so Jeremiah comes into ministry at the darkest hour of the history of Judah. And God raises this young man, Jeremiah. And against all persecution, hardships, Jeremiah stood his ground, boldly proclaiming the message of God to a stiff-necked generation, to a people who were really not cooperating at all. And during his ministry, which was a long ministry, he warned these people. He told them, catastrophe is coming. Things are going to happen. This nation is going to fall. Because all of you, he said to the people, you've gone on into sin and you have gone on into idolatry. And so Jeremiah lived to see these prophecies come to pass as the nation fell uh, uh, and Jerusalem fell under Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And then Jeremiah lived to see the, the, the destruction of, of the city and, and the destruction of the temple and even the exile of, 
of, of the children of Israel to Babylon. But also he, he lived to see them come back from exile and try to put the pieces of their lives together and, and restore the nation and, and build the nation up. But God had called this man at such an hour. See, when God calls you, you don't dictate to God which time of history God must call you into. We don't tell God those kind of things. That even in that dark hour, God called him. And I'm here to say today, even in the dark times we live in today, God is raising up men and women, young people and old people alike. God is raising people from all over the world to become the Jeremiah's of our time. Are you sitting next to a Jeremiah of our time right now? Young men, young women, young people, elderly people, called by God. And what they must do is they must do what God has called them to do. And they must not give any excuses. Can I hear an amen? amen. So in chapter 1, God speaks to Jeremiah, reveals to Jeremiah his calling. And Jeremiah receives this call from God. And God tells him, look at this, Jeremiah. Before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I'd already decided to call you. In other words, you have nothing to do with being alive today. It's God who decided that you're going to be alive in a world in the form that it is. I know sometimes we love to live in the nostalgia of the good old days. The problem is we're not living in the good old days. We are living in the good days of today. <laughs> and when God calls you, he calls you because he knows you are the one needed for this time. In short, I'm trying to tell somebody here, your birth was not an accident. God knew that you were going to be born. So Jeremiah, being very young, is very overwhelmed by the task that God is giving him. He's exclaiming and says to God, no way. No way. You, you know I can't speak. You know I'm just a young guy. No way. I, there's no way I can pull this off. And God responds to that. And God says, in short, I'm not going to take any excuse from you. See, when God calls, he's not going to take any excuse from you. Can I hear an amen? amen. Tell your neighbor, God's not going to take any excuse from you. Somebody said, excuses are tools of the incompetent. And those who specialize in them, seldom go far. End of quote. How many of you realize that excuses never get us anywhere? They just get us out of that situation and help people understand and we give a good reason why we can't, but nothing ever happens in our life. Ben Franklin wrote, and I quote, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. End of quote. Yeah. And one man says, he who excuses himself accuses himself. See, an excuse is simply an explanation that frees us from responsibility. <laughs> That's a simple definition of an excuse. It's explanation sometimes that frees us from either fault or blame or responsibility. So, you know, when we get excuses, we can avoid taking responsibility. Jeremiah is trying to really convince God and use his age as an excuse. And he doesn't want to embrace the call of God in his life. The sentiment behind this verb excuse is expressed in many ways. You know, we, we can talk about people uh, removing blame from or stop blaming somebody or deflecting something. And there are some words or phrases that serve along with this word excuse, this verb excuse. I want to go through these words with you and you'll find them very interesting. 
The word absolve. When you absolve somebody, you free them from guilt or responsibility. So we absolve them. What about when we acquit somebody? Okay? They get discharged from accusation or they are discharged from obligation. What about blink at? In other words, we, we approve something that's wrong. So, you know, we just allow things. We don't, look, you didn't, you didn't perform as you should, but we'll still give you a raise, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, know, we know you should have performed as a 10. We'll still give you a raise even if you performed as a 3. What about brush aside or clear or, or condone? What about when you discount? When you discount, you minimize the importance of something. You know, sometimes people say, no, I just did this. I only lost one million rands. I only gambled one million rands. I mean, so, you know, so that, that kind of kind of trying to diminish taking responsibility. So I don't want to look at the amount. I just want to make it sort of, it's not, a, it's not such a big thing after all. Why are you making such a big thing out of such a small thing? What about dismiss? When we reject the importance of something. What about when we gloss over, we treat something as not important? Or we overlook, paper over, shrug off. We just wave off something. And all these are words that could be synonyms, so they work together with the word excuse. God doesn't want us to live a life of excuses. And God doesn't want us to excuse ourselves. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know that people today whose excuse of not going to church is that it's very cold. Serious. Yeah. Or some people excuse themselves for not going to church because I got a puncture. You know, my car got a puncture. They can take a taxi. Or in these days, they can Uber. No excuse. Here we are, we have people coming all the way from the USA to be here. And yet you'll find somebody down the road here who didn't come to the church service because it's cold. Look at your neighbor and say, why are you not saying amen? Is it talking about you or something? Jeremiah had every excuse ready when God called him to be a prophet. His excuses are more or less the excuses that we, we sometimes give. And let's go through these excuses. Some of these excuses characterize our lives at some point. The first excuse is to say to God, the task is demanding. Listen to this. When God calls you, no matter how demanding the task, you are the right person. So he says, no, the task is too demanding. Why, why call me? Why don't you call somebody else? The next excuse is, he, he protests, he says, oh Lord God, look, I don't know how to speak. I'm simply, I'm just a youth. In short, he's saying, my talents are inadequate. And so many times when God speaks to us, we kind of feel like we're not the right person because our talents are not adequate. Moses even told God, I can't speak. Even went further and said, who am I? I mean, the brother was so confused. He didn't know who he was. <laughs> but none of those things are going, is going to sway God. None of that is going to convince God because God created you. He knows you. Yeah. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. But then the third excuse is that in him saying, I'm just a youth, he, let's decode that. He's simply saying, the time is not right. See, I'm too young. The time's not right. 
And you know, we live in a world that always wants to tell you either you are too young or you are too old, you are too, you are too skinny, you are too fat, you are too tall, you are too short, you are too poor, you are too rich, you are always too something. You are too black, you are too white, you are too, you are too, you are too, you are too everything. And if you listen to the world, you'll never be ready for anything. You'll keep on postponing for the rest of your life. I was saying this in the first service and I'm going to say it later, but let me say it right now. Remember, God has given us this one and only life. Hey, this, is the only, this is the one and only shot you have to fulfill your destiny. On the other side of eternity, they won't do any destiny to fulfill. I don't think so. We will be in the presence of God, enjoying and everything. I don't know what we're going to do the other side of heaven. I know we'll be in the presence of God. But I don't think in terms of our assignment to fulfill, it's going to be that other side. It's here. You have the one and only life. Think about it. The one and only, the one and only chance for however many years, for how, however long you live. That's the only shot you have. See, when, 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 when you live on this earth, it's not like the, the, the lifespan of the characters in a PlayStation. You know, in a PlayStation, you know, when you do the PlayStation or any other, some of these video games you play, you know, you, you, go, you go to hit the guy many times before they die. And after you've killed them, they still rise up again. Anybody knows that? They can get extra life from somewhere. Here, you are not a PlayStation at all. Once we bury you, that's it. Whatever you've done that far, that's what you're going to account for in the presence of God. You have the one and only life. So don't buy into the lie that you're not ready. And by that, I don't mean rush into things. That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. We should get training we should mature properly. We should do things right. But when, when the time is right, please don't manufacture any excuses. Go for it. Look at your neighbor and say, you, you, you have so many excuses, you don't even want to say amen this morning. I mean, really, don't even want to say amen. You have an excuse for not saying amen. Some of you are afraid if you say amen, God is going to talk to you about something after the same. Then the fourth excuse, he says... To God, you are sending me to a people who are terrible. The teaching is dangerous. These guys will kill me. In other words, the assignment is dangerous. Look, God has called us to shine as children of light in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That even if we live in times that may be considered to be difficult or dangerous, you are still the right woman for the job. Oh, I thought the ladies would say amen to that. You are still the right man for the job. What about you guys? Ah, I love that one. Sometimes we live in the nostalgia, as I said, of the good old days. There are people who are still thinking about the time when bread, you could only buy it for five rands or for 50 cents. Let me tell you, my dear, those days are gone. They will never come back, okay? That's not going to happen. So if we're always living in the nostalgia of the good old days, we'll never do anything for today. And we will cease to see the potential of today. I mean, I was telling somebody in the week, I mean, during the, the, the Bible seminar, the winter Bible seminar, I mean, we had people as much as this. On Friday, we even had more people like this. And what blessed me 
was to see the number of young people in the church. Yeah. No one. Yeah. I'm telling you. Nobody is going to convince me that young people don't love God. No one's going to tell me that. I saw them here dancing and shaking, whatever. They were here this morning. Amen. You know. No one's going to tell me that. But my goodness, you go to some place and say, young people don't love the Lord. Today. I say, I'm sorry, sir, I beg to differ. I have a different opinion. Yeah. Right now, right now, right now, right now as we speak, you can go over to the youth hall over there. We have about 700, 800 young people in the youth hall there having fun in the presence of the Lord. Can I hear a amen? Yeah. Just depends what your perspective is. Yeah, whatever time it is, is the right time. If God is calling you for this generation, it is the right time. If God wanted, you could have been born in 1902. And even in 1902, there are people who said things are really bad today. We are remembering the good old days of 1807. Yeah, of course, it's always like that. So whatever time it is, is the right time. Tell your neighbor, is the right time. Tell your other neighbor, is the right time for you. Tell your other neighbor, is the right time for me? Tell them I'm the right person for the job. Yeah, right person for the job. Yeah, he says it's not the right. He says the teaching is dangerous. The assignment is dangerous. And then excuse number five. He says to God, do I have to go now? <laughs> In other words, the timing is not right. Unfortunately, some of you are running away from God, from what God is calling you, because you are just a youth or just a whatever. Yeah. I'm challenging you today. God is speaking to you right now, this moment, this second. Don't say, I am just a whatever. No excuse. Excuse. Paul talks to another young man by the name of Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4.12, he says, Let no one look down upon you because you are young. And I'm here to say, let no one look down upon you because whatever it is in your life. Let no one look down upon you. You may be coming from a broken home where people have labeled you. Let no one look down upon you because of that. You know, there's, there's, there's people's views about you, but there's God's view about you. Yeah. And God says to Jeremiah, before, before you were conceived, before you were, God knew you even before you were conceived. It just so happened by coincidence that you were born in the family that you were born in. But God knew you. God could have used anybody, any country, any background, but God decided just to use your parents. To, 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 to bring you into the world at that time, Mara, they are just instruments that God is using. But even before you were conceived, God knew you. Can I hear an amen, Bazala? Hallelujah. Now, there are three reasons why you should not be looking down on yourself. And I want to also speak this to the young people as well. Three reasons why you shouldn't even be looking down on yourself or even your age. Number one. The first reason is that God has given you a divine purpose. A divine purpose. God gave Jeremiah a purpose for his time 
and for his generation. You know, yesterday, I was at the a funeral of Murutim um, Zimela. Excuse me. Bishop Mzimela, I got to know him way back in 1986. Because in the, in the early 80s and mid 80s, that is when churches like ours were born, the so-called charismatic churches. They, they, this brand of church and this brand of teaching wasn't known. Highly influenced by the charismatic move and what God was doing in the USA. Among them being uh, Kenneth Hagin and Dr. Fred Price and people who influenced our lives a lot. And the reason my spirit connected with Dr. Mzimela, Bishop Mzimela, is that, you know, he's from a township in Kwamashu. And he was dealing with the challenges of being a pioneer just like I was. And when he came into that community, they've planted what an amazing church, Barcelona. Incredible. I'm so sad he's passed. But this man literally allowed God to use them to turn things around in that community. I mean, yesterday it was just chock a block. Filled to capacity. They've built what a, what a huge auditorium. I mean, I was thinking about it that, by the way, in those days when we built churches, I mean, at least here in South Africa, when you talked about a big church, it was a church that sits 150 people. That was our concept of beat. When we tell people it was packed out, standing room only. Talking about 150. <laughs> and so, I mean, if you build something that sits 500 people, that was too big. Even worse when you are from the township and you come from our background of being previously disadvantaged. No money, no cash, leading people who are poor people, all that. Very difficult. And they built a huge building. You should see it. Hey! Big building. Filled it to capacity. And over the years, in that building, business people were born, raised, musicians raised. I mean, you, you've got people now who are, who are leaders in major companies, all raised in the church. And I thought about it. I said, you know what? This man, much as his body is lying here, this man was born for this generation. Oh, yeah. Oh, this brother fulfilled his mission. This man was used of God. He passed on. He was 71 years old. We wish he could have lived longer. But my goodness, there he was. And every one of us here, you are called by God and given into this world for a divine purpose. Yeah. Your divine purpose and my divine purpose may be different. So God has given you his divine purpose, young and old alike. For that reason, as I look at you, I see every one of you having a divine purpose in life. In fact, if I may be truthful with you, this is what drives me as a pastor to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's because as I stand and as I look in the faces of people, I see men and women who are tasked with a divine purpose. And I understand that what we preach here, what we say here, can mold and shape people in the direction of God's divine purpose for their life. 
Starting with them being born again, becoming God's children. And after that, showing them that you are not here for mahala. You are not here for nothing. You are here to fulfill God's will and God's purpose. No matter what your background is, no matter what your educational background is, no matter what your economic status is, no matter what label they've given to you, what your community says to you, God is the one who has brought you into this world. And God has a purpose for your life. Some of you, you'll stand and be prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah. Some of you, you'll become like Daniel. You'll have the ability to influence the secular affairs of nations. Some of you, you will be like Joseph. You will turn around the course of nations. Some of you, you will be used by God as pastors and leaders and business people. Every one of us here, we have a divine purpose of God. And God had given Jeremiah a divine purpose and had called him to fulfill that purpose. And so has he with every one of us. I want to appeal to you as parents. Make sure as you raise your children, you are aware of God's divine purpose for them. And groom them in the fear of the Lord. And do your best that your home will be an enabling atmosphere for children to connect with God. Please let's not be like Eli. Eli was a great priest, an amazing man. But Eli didn't know how to discipline his children to at least embrace God's call. Maybe even if they were not priests like him, but at least they could at least embrace the things of God. He allowed his children to misuse the temple and abuse the women in the temple and do filthy things in the presence of the Lord. And he didn't discipline his sons. He allowed them to err in their ways. He allowed them to continue sinning and therefore to stifle their prospects of them being vessels that God can use. This is what happens when we move away from the things of God. We kill the prospects of being what God wants us to do. We stifle it and we kill it. So young people, see yourself as one with a divine purpose, a God-given purpose. God uses young people. Don't look down upon yourself. David was young when he killed Goliath. King Josiah, at eight years old, he ruled and he became a king. And at the age of 16, when he was still young, he sought the God of his father David. At the age of 22, he began to purge the land of idolatry. And God brought revival in the land of Judah once again. Ready at 20. There's a song that is sung in God says, ready at 20. Yeah, when you are 20, you are ready to be used of God. Oh, am I, am I speaking to people here? You ready? Number two, the second reason why we mustn't look down upon ourselves is that God has given you divine backing. Jeremiah, God said, I'll touch your mouth. God said, don't say I'm a youth. Don't say the task is too great. Therefore, you need to be obedient to the task that God has given you. See, there are two types of responses to the call of God. The Jeremiah type of response or the Isaiah kind of response? The Jeremiah's kind of response is, me? You're calling me? Not me. The task is too impossible. Someone else will do it. The Jeremiah response makes excuses. But the Isaiah response is when God calls him, he just had a heavenly discussion going on. Even before God could say anything, he just threw up his hands and says, Yeah, me, oh, send me. 
It's like Isaiah was screaming to God like a child. Me, me, me. You remember in primary school when our teachers would ask a question. Every child wants to be the one. Me, 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 me. Me, teacher, me, me, me. Sometimes you are so passionate about me and when they say, Musa, what's the answer? You say, ah, what was the question, by the way? <laughs> I mean, that's your passion. But we need to have that response. Send me. Send me, God. I may not necessarily think I'm the best qualified, but send me. Make no excuses because heaven will be there to back you up. Elisha was with his servant one day when Israel was being attacked by the enemy. And one day, as he rose up early in the morning, this servant saw the chariots circling the city where the children of Israel were. 2 Kings 6, 17, 15 and 17. The last part of verse 16. And the servant said to, to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Verse 16. So he answered, do not fear. Somebody say, do not fear. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, do not fear. <laughs> why, 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 why shouldn't we be afraid? He said, read with me, Iring, for those who are, yes, are, than those who are, oh my goodness. There's more that is backing us up. There's more that's on our side. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, open his eyes. That he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The angels were there all along. The horses and the chariots were there all along. It's only that the attendant's eyes were blinded to that. Because God is present with you even if you don't feel like it. My goodness, it's even on those days where you really don't feel like it. You don't walk by feelings, you walk by faith totally. You know God is with you. You have divine backing. God is on your side. And number three, as I close, the third reason we mustn't look down upon ourselves is that God has given you divine empowerment. God touched the mouth of Jeremiah, giving him the power of speech. It always amazes me how God always calls people to fulfill functions where on a natural level they shouldn't even be trying that. If they were to go for an interview and they were interviewed in the area where they're supposed to function and have outcomes, they would have been failed. God calls a guy who can speak here to speak. God goes to Moses, a guy who's stammering, to go talk to Pharaoh, a high-tempered king who will kill you at the drop of a head. Who's very powerful. And God says you must go talk to the brother. Can you imagine? When you're still trying to get the point across. Brother might just kill you. <laughs> you're trying to express yourself. For some reason God does that. Calls people like Gideon. The last born in his family. Comes from a poor home. A guy full of fear. God anoints David, last born in his home. So neglected that his, when the prophet came to look for a leader in the family, the father forgot about the existence of, Dan, of David. For some reason, somehow when God calls us, we feel like we are not the right person. 
And of course, God wants you to know, you can't do it in your strength. You've got to depend on divine empowerment. Yeah, God, God wants you that when everything is said and done, you turn your attention on him and say, if God wasn't on my side, if God didn't help me, I wouldn't be here today. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. God will not leave you with a task and not empower you to fulfill that task. That is why it's important for us to be led of the spirit and to follow what the Holy Spirit is telling us and to do the will of God. Because wherever God calls you, whatever assignment he gives you, he will empower you to fulfill it. If you come up with your own thing, then you have to empower you. You have to sustain you. But whatever God orders, he pays for it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He says in Acts 2.17, it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind. And he says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. The reason they prophesy is because I will have given them that ability by pouring out my spirit upon them. My goodness, some of you, God's going to pour out his spirit. He has already poured out his spirit upon you. And God wants to stir you up for you to do what he has called you to do. In short, you have an assignment to fulfill and you don't have forever to fulfill it. You are not like the character in the PlayStation. You don't have seven lives. You only have the one and only life. So the best thing is stop making excuses. Get busy with your assignment. Stop looking around and saying, God, are you calling? No, God says, no, it's you I'm talking to. It's you. Don't look around. It's you. It's got your name on it. And remember, when it has your name on it, as long as you say, here am I, Lord, send me. He will empower you. He will anoint you. He will strengthen you. He will open doors for you. Can I hear an amen? He will give you the resources you need. He will take you to places you've never been to. He will make you meet people that you have never met. God will make a way where there is no way. I said God will make a way where there is no way. Even when you look at yourself, you have to pinch yourself and wonder, am I dreaming or what? Because I just never thought that can happen. But you see, our ability comes from him, the greater one who's on the inside of us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us because it is God who assigns us. You only have the one and only chance to fulfill your mission. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. And God will help you all the way. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you today that we resolve not to make excuses. We will say yes to whatever your assignment is. We will say yes. When your spirit talks to us, we will say yes. We will not postpone. We will not come up with an excuse. We will own up. We will face the truth. We will face reality. We will say yes. Our heads bowed, please. Our eyes closed. Nobody walking around, moving around, except those who are serving. All over, even those who are streaming, please bow your heads right where you are. I want to ask you today, as you've been listening to the word of God, I know God always speaks to us in our hearts. You may have come here invited by someone. Maybe you've come on your own. 
It might be your first visit. might not be your first visit. But as you've been listening to God's word, you are confronted with the reality of your life. And as you looked at your life and thought about your life, probably you realize that you haven't made Christ the Lord of your life. Though you love church, though you love God and you have a warm heart towards God, but when it comes to making a commitment to Jesus to be Savior and Lord of your life, you may not recall ever doing that. And you feel a sense of emptiness. You feel like there's something you need in your life, though you may not know how to describe it. You feel that something needs to change because your life is really not pleasing before God. You want God to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, cleanse you of your wrongs, and make you his child. Make your heart to be alive again. Alive to the things of God. Change you. Transform your spirit and make you a new person. You are here today, either in this auditorium or you're watching from any of the places that are streaming. You hear and you say, would you pray for me? I want Jesus to come into my heart. My life is not pleasing before God. I don't want to make excuses anymore. You may have had this opportunity in the past to make this decision. Probably you passed it by and you said, no, I can't do it today. Whatever your reason was, whatever your excuse was, but today you are saying, I'm making no excuses anymore. I want to receive Christ. Please pray for me. I want Jesus to come into my heart. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If it is you who needs that prayer, would you raise your hand, please, right where you are. I want to pray for you. Just raise it up. Thank you for those hands. Raise it high. Thank you for those hands. I appreciate them. All over the place, raise it high. Thank you for those hands. That's right. This is what we do. No excuses, God. No postponing, God. Not going to do it tomorrow. I have this one and only chance. And I'm going to make it count. Just raise those hands. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Even in the churches that are streaming, raise your hands right, right where you are. There are people there who are going to help you. Would you all stand on your feet, please? Here in this auditorium, those who are streaming, right where you are. Would you stand on your feet, those who raised your hands, please? I want to pray for you. Just go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Just stand on your feet. Just stand on your feet. That's right. All over. Just stand. Stay. 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 Everywhere, everywhere, stand, stand. That's right. That's right. You see, we will we, we clap our hands to encourage you because we know how important this decision is. We know how much your life will change. There are many people who have an opportunity for their lives to change, but they never respond. I love you, my brother. You're already walking to the front. Come stand right here, my friend. Looking at me. Oh, I love this man. I love this man. Give this brother. The rest of you, follow this brother. Just come. Take all your belongings and come and stand here. Come and stand here. We want to pray for you. Those of you who are standing, come on. Come with your belongings. Thank you, Jesus.